Queer Rights Sessions, QWS Podcast, in partnership with Blarney Books and Art in Port Ferry. I'm your host, Rob, aka RWR McDonald, and this is a Words and Nerds spin-off series. Thanks, Danny. I'm coming to you from the land of the Wurundjeri people, and I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Each month, QWS Podcast will bring you reviews, shout-outs of LGBTIQA plus writers, and feature an interview with a queer writer from our rainbow communities. And now on with the show. Jemima Brewster is a queer writer and editor based in Gippsland, Victoria, working in fiction, creative nonfiction, poetry, and book reviews. Jemima's creative work has been published in VoiceWorks magazine, Visible Ink Anthology, Planet Bastard Anthology, and Introvert Dear. And her self-published novella, Oscar and Alice, was released in 2021. Jemima has written book reviews for The Big Issue, Arts Hub, AU Review, Underground Writers, and her own blog on oddfeather.co. Jemima also writes the fortnightly newsletter, The Brew, on Substack. Welcome to Queer Rights Podcast, Jemima. Thanks, Sarah. Lovely to be here. Oh, it's fantastic. Thank you for being our guest. Jemima, we, we start off with an opening question that we ask all of our guests, which is, how has your work influenced your identity? Yeah, I, um, I've been grappling a bit with this question when you sent it through to me. <laughs> I was thinking about it just before and writing myself a few notes. And I think that, like, if you define work, your work, so I I would define that here as my interest in reading and writing and literature, I would say it has pretty much always defined me to some degree. Um, I remember when I was about 10 or 11, I was, you know, grappling with the idea of, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? (laughs) I wanted to be, I decided I wanted to be an author, <laughs> not a writer, an author. <laughs> yeah, yeah, excellent. Typically. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and then that, always loved reading, always loved, like I grew up on so many different picture books and comic books and so on. And um, and yeah, that has sort of fueled everything that I, I've done. Like I studied a Bachelor of Arts in writing and editing. I did a, a short course many years ago um, on book binding, so actual oh, wow. book binding, which was a lot of fun, really interesting, and, like, it, it sort of pivots around to different areas of things but always related to books. So um, I went to a slam poetry night with a friend in Melbourne many years ago and it sort of twisted my brain a little bit. Like, wow, this is, like, a whole different way of experiencing like poetry and writing and there's there's no writing involved people are saying it to you performance and it yeah it really yeah. yeah kind of opened a whole different avenue for that so yeah I would say that experiencing different ways of communicating and expressing yourself or myself yeah. like sort of lifelong oration of different ways to do that brilliant fantastic that's a fantastic answer thank you I highly recommend to our listeners to get on to The Brew, which is Jemima's weekly newsletter. Subscribe to it. Um, And I will be putting uh, anything that we discuss uh, today in our show notes so you'll be able to get there. would love to start off learning about how you got into uh, creating a newsletter and how that evolved. Just noting that for our listeners who... Uh, perhaps aren't writers this is something as emerging writers we get told make sure you do a newsletter and I think 98% of us 
don't do it or don't even know how to do it. So I'm just so keen to check your brain because I, the, yeah. the brew is, is fun, um, it has such a great voice to it. And it's also just seems to be the perfect length, reading length. Like you want more, but you feel like you've read something. So please educate. Ah, uh, sure thing. Um, well, honestly, it's really nice to hear feedback on the newsletter because sometimes I write it and I think, this is so dumb. No one's going to read this. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be, it'll be like 1130 at night and I'll have my laptop propped open one eye open. I'm like, does this joke make sense? Did I, did I turn <laughs> the right way up? Oh, I don't even care. Just send it out. <laughs> I feel a bit vaguely embarrassed reading through it again. So, no, not at um, all. And, and then other times I'll spend the whole week, you know, tweaking it, trying to get it perfect and then still not be entirely happy with it. So it can go in any direction, basically. So newsletters. I The first sort of regular newsletter that I had anything was with um, Underground Writers, the uh, literary resource that um years. And because we were putting posts on the website, so we were doing posts, uh, book reviews, um, all sorts of stuff. Uh, we would do sort of a roundup of those um, in our newsletter. And um, newsletters sort of come essentially in two different kinds um, and you can have a sliding scale on those two kinds. It can be a roundup of stuff that's already been published. So it's mostly like a bunch of links with some maybe some pictures of things you put out all the way through to what mine sort of is, which is where you write something pretty much completely original for every issue have a combination of that. So a lot of writers have a combination of that. So they'll write like a little sort of intro and maybe it's an anecdote of something um, that's going on or especially for authors who are currently working on a few different things, they might give an update of that stuff. Then they'll also get their most recent blog posts and, um, you know, recent appearances at libraries and bookstores, that kind of thing. So um, I got, I, I was trying to remember where the idea first came from and I can't quite find it in my memory banks because it was in late 2020 and most of that has been deleted since. <laughs> really? Um, so was that recent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's so polished. It's so so well put together. And the way that you combine, um, you know, mixed media within it. And I, yeah. I'll get you to, to, to talk about that. But, um, yeah, I just thought you've been doing this for years. It's so well done. Oh, thank you. Nice to hear. <laughs> I, I, I think the idea had been brewing, no pun intended at all. <laughs> <laughs> been growing in my head <laughs> for a while um the I think the first iteration of it was I kept sort of looking at all the interesting little things that I had in my house like you know interesting bits of clothing or like a nice yeah. I found somewhere or whatever and the first idea was to have like an Instagram page called my favorite things and it would just be like a picture of some some little thing maybe I got it when I was traveling overseas or someone gave it to me in an interesting little you know meet cute or something just with yeah. a little kind of with it on Instagram but then social media is a is a fickle beast as we know <laughs> I didn't I didn't really like the idea of having another Instagram account to sort of keep yeah, on fair enough. yeah you know like look there are so many Instagram accounts and people dedicate like have careers run what I was really want to do right. um, so then um, I don't know where the newsletter part came in specifically it might have been or maybe it was when, because originally um, Jess, who I ran underground with, she put together our the newsletter for underground. And then at some point I started doing it. Um, she was getting a bit busier. So that might have been where it came in. Right. And, uh, yeah, as I said, it was late 2020. And I think a combination of all these things and of being in isolation for so long, I was sort of thinking of ways of connecting with people more meaningful line. Yeah. So, 
um, as I said, social media, very fickle. And especially at that time, because everyone was online, yeah. know, the whole world was much more online than they were before. It just felt like this sort of soup of stuff. And like you'd spend most of your day online, even if you were working, you would still, you know, be checking yeah. news and, you know, seeing if your family's okay, all those things. And then at some point, the my favorite things Instagram account sort of crossed you know, cross-pollinated with this other idea. And I came up with newsletters. And um, I had heard some amount of time previously about um, a newsletter uh, that was the the kind where it's sort of written from scratch and by someone named McKinley Valentine, and it's called The Whippet. And it had been around for a few years already at that point and had like thousands of subscribers. And um, McKinley's a Melbourne-based writer. And then I saw... Uh, through Writers Victoria that McKinley was running a workshop online specifically about newsletters. Oh, right. Uh, ah, the stars have aligned. I can yeah. a bit more about it and, you know, learn a bit more what it's all about and what kind of platforms to use, all that kind of stuff. So that was like a four-hour workshop um, online and I think it was January 2021. So, yeah, not very long ago. And, yeah, McKinley just went through and sort of gave a breakdown of um, – uh, like this sort of origin of online newsletters as we kind of know them now. Yeah. Um, so when this is like a sort of brief history, historical aside, when people used to read, you know, newsletters and magazines as their main source of reading material as opposed to online, you know, you would read something that you're interested in and then, you you know, your eye would be caught by the article next to it. And so you'd read that even though for sort of things. So there was a lot more reading of incidental things that you didn't, wouldn't necessarily. Uh, yes. And yeah, and um, algorithms don't like that so much. Like algorithms have their own agendas for, for you know, whoever's paid more money or whatever they think yeah. get management or whatever. So um, the process of things going online and people really narrowly reading specific topics, for example, was called unbundling. So it was like, you know, an unbundled newspaper. And then newsletters are part of, oh, maybe I've got that the wrong way around. Maybe that was bundling. I can't remember. <laughs> but um newsletters are sort of uh, like almost like a digital newsletter a newspaper to some degree because you're reading it and yep. you're reading it for that author or that organization because you're interested in what they're saying essentially and I think the reason that authors in particular and, and publishers and um, anyone literary basically are told to have their own newsletter is because it's much more reliable than social media and it's a much deeper engagement with your audience. Right. Yeah, because if someone signs up for your newsletter, that means that they're they're a captive audience to some degree. Like they're already interested in what you're going to say. Yeah. Um, and lots of authors use these really, really um, creatively and really effectively. So I know that the author of The Rockin's Familiar, whose name has suddenly escaped me, she um, did heaps of stuff through her newsletter when she was about to release The Rockin's published, I think. Um, it's like an epic sort of YA fantasy. And at the bottom of her newsletter, her author newsletters, she always has a bunch of links to like ebooks through this particular site. And if you download them through her newsletter, you can get them for free. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So she has, um, I'm not sure how she organized that, but it's yeah. genius because you're also promoting lots of other um, authors in a similar genre. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what and, I, um, I, I love about the brew is you've got your, your book reviews um, yeah. and 
memes that you've come across and that you like and photos, you know, your own um, sort of personal photos and, yeah, and then just these interesting, you know, articles that you found interesting. So do you just now, you know, anytime you're online, you think, oh, this would be great for the newsletter or do you go hunting? How do, how do you curate it, I guess? Um, a little bit of both. I, um, there are many newsletters online that I subscribe to and that's where I get a lot of my reading from um, and also from other awesome newsletters like um, Tansy Rainer Roberts is a Tasmanian writer um, to all different types of things. Like one of them was about a, um, it was a Twitter thread from this person who'd been researching uh, how women were treated in medieval times as opposed to how they were treated in Victorian times, which is very niche and very specific, but it was a really interesting thread and all the way through to, you know, is how racist is Bridgerton or whatever. Like she's got a very wide range of stuff and she does a lot of reading, but then I will also find things just by sort of Google searching. Like, um, like when I was watching Heartstopper, I looked up every article I could find about it. And um, the ones that seem to have a really interesting or in-depth take on it. um, I included that. So, and yeah, for the, for the imagery and stuff, I, um, I (laughs) have a lot of fun finding like just the perfect, you know, me, that goes with <laughs> of the newsletter I sort of collect memes at this point um and yeah finding the right gifts I use a lot of gifts from Adventure Time and oh, I love Adventure Time yeah yeah and like Parks and Rec and stuff because there's just some really like primo gifts in <laughs> yeah so I guess I'm a little bit like a, a magpie collecting you know <laughs> bits and um and because I write so many book reviews uh, for AU Review and Arts Club yeah. and so on um, I put a sort of condensed version of those um, into the newsletters, uh, which just sort of gives an update of what I've been reading. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like a little sort of snapshot or like a diary or something of like what, what I've, like the media I've been consuming basically in the last fortnight. Yeah, and, it's brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit difficult sometimes if I'm like re-watching the same thing for the hundredth time and haven't read any books lately I have to say oh yeah true yeah, yeah Thursday and I'm like scrabbling around I'm like oh I haven't done anything interesting recently <laughs> and so do you have a like do you have a bit of a formula or um, I'm just thinking for anyone who's who's gonna have a go at creating their own because it feels like the timing is just right. Like, do you sort of go, okay, it needs to be two pages, nothing more, or you've just got a feel for it now because you've been you've been making them for for a while. I think it is partly I've got a feel for it. Um, I, I scrolled back to my very first one, which I think was came out in February 2021. Um, I scrolled back to that recently and was rereading it, and um, it definitely was a lot wordier. And, yeah. Um, right. One of the things that uh, McKinley talked about in that workshop was just to avoid walls of text like the plague. Like the rule isn't, you know, how often should I put spaces in, like line breaks? It's how many can I get away with? So I sort of... Wow. Yeah, cool. And then, yeah, and then I find like if I'm, if I've got, say, a a book review um, and I have to scroll and scroll and scroll to get to the bottom, I kind of think, oh, that's a bit much. So I'll... I'll cut out often stuff that are, you know, writing that I would sort of prefer to have in there, but, you know, you just can't, can't keep engaged for that long sort of thing. I wanted to segue to, so on your, your website, under your blog, you yeah. have uh, a whole lot of listicles. How did you get involved? 
I love listicles. So how I did love you, listicles too. How did, you, how did you start doing that? Is that something you just, you know, you have a, a thought and go, okay, let's do eight. Um, I, I saw one that you had done, I think it was a, a, either eight or ten amoral characters in fiction. I was just like, oh, this is great. Um, oh, what was it? Yeah, amorally fiction characters. Um that's sort of, I, I started getting the hang of listicles while we were running underground writers. So I think because uh, I, I used to get the Book Riot newsletters, um, but they send out like five a day. So I ended up unsubscribing. It was a bit intense. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but they do a lot of listicles um, right. and basically saw them doing that. And, and they're uh, an American um, organisation. Her books are American as well. So I was like, we could totally do that and have majority Australian New Zealand titles. Um, and so they'll have, you know, six cosy witchy books for fall or, yeah. you know, six um, books by intersex authors or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I just sort of, I, I, think, I think we had a bit of a, a team meeting with the editors for Underground and I was just like, hey, let's start doing listicles once a month. And so out of each year I'd sort of assign each month and I'd be like, oh, this person's in charge of the listicle for this month, et cetera, et cetera. And if anyone was ever stuck, we would sort of brainstorm ideas. And they were always so much fun coming up with, with pretty much anything. Like um, I think we had one about books that have very f- like floral covers because there was so oh yeah yeah I remember that trend yeah yeah phase yeah. a couple of years ago and yeah. um, we just um yeah did that and then um yeah and then I started writing a couple for my own blog um just you know because they're, they're fun to write yeah search um and basically I just go in and I look at my bookshelf and I try and think of ways that different books are connected so that's awesome yeah. Well, I've, I've got one that I've been working on. I haven't finished it yet. Um, and it's called Eight of the Gothiest Gothic Books to Ever, ever Goth. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to fit, fit the word goth in there as much as possible. <laughs> and then the um, the morally grey protagonist one was it, oh, Eight Books with Cheerfully Amoral Protagonists. That was it. That was based around a particular book that um, I wanted to include on it. And then I just sort of kept going with it to see who else I could find. And that's, yeah, that's got like Douglas Adams. It's got um, Andy Weir. It's got a Shakespeare character. Like I just sort of went nuts with that one just for the, but. (laughs) I think, yeah, definitely I want to start playing with that. I think, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I also um, wanted to ask you about your novella. Oscar mm-hmm. and Alice, how did how did that story come? And can you give us sort of a quick elevator pitch about? I can. So um, this is a little bit embarrassing as like a writer who has a, a degree, but basically almost the entire plot came to me in a dream, <laughs> which is you know if we were in a book right now and you had a writer character that said, oh, the whole story came to me in a dream, like as an, as an editor, my editor brain is just like, no, no, <laughs> no, no one would accept that. Um, but it, it literally did. It was in like, uh, it was in summer and it was, it was either Christmas Eve or like Boxing Day. It was like right next to Christmas. Just had this like super, super vivid dream. And it was basically the plot of Oscar <laughs> Oh, wow. And it was quite a few years ago. I think it was like 2017. And um, I just sort of spent the day because like work anyway. And I just spent the day on my laptop just like typing this thing out to get it out of my brain. And at the end of it, it was 
almost entirely the way it is the way it came out in in the book um, wow a lot of rounds of edits and stuff but um it's a really strange length so it's I think 15,000 words is too long for a short story and way too short for length book. So I did a bit of research and discovered that novellas exist and um, there aren't that many places that publish them. Like I think a few no. more now, yeah, than they did at the time. Um, I know 12th Planet Press has done a couple of series of novellas and I looked up and, you know, found what I could find. Yeah. But again, it seems to be defined, like the length seems to be defined differently in different places so in america they they go a little bit longer and then i think the uk they go shorter and so it just didn't fit anywhere and i i sort of i put it aside and i forgot about it for years and then i got it out and i was like oh i remember this this is a lot of fun to write and the story and i sort of edited it and tinkered it a bit tinkered with it a bit and i kind of could maybe make it longer or i could maybe make it shorter but i don't really want to i like it the way it is and then yeah. i put it away again for a few years and just <laughs> and then I turned 30 last year and I had a requisite crisis that goes with that I realized that I could because I've always wanted to you know have my own book published kind of thing yeah and yeah like hey I could just do that I don't I don't need to ask someone else's permission like in the exactly yeah a publisher kind of thing and like you know, it, every time I'd got it out, I'd sort of looked up all the links I'd saved for places that publish novellas and none of them were open or, you yeah. know, you, you had to wait six months to hear back and stuff like that. It's like, that's sucky. So, yeah, I, I have uh, two different friends who have um, successfully self-published and by successfully, I don't like they wards or anything like that. I mean that they did a good job publishing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, and so how how was that? So, did you talk to them and and sort of get um, pointers from them how to do it? Because I, I know a lot of listeners and myself are very interested in, in indie publishing and I guess what are the highlights and what are the lowlights from people who have done it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's interesting. You you have to sort of I think you have to be realistic in what you're expecting from it and honest with yourself about why you're doing it yeah. so um i so my I, I published it um released on halloween last year i did it as a sort of as a project for myself because i've been here for two years and I had done my best to stay literary community and keep writing and all that stuff but it was very hard because it was a little yeah. online and and i kind of thought this is a really good way to keep my creative side occupied <laughs> and and it timed out really well because I sort of, I thought all this through in about August last year. And then because it's quite a, a witchy Halloween, I was like, okay, if I at Halloween, that's a really sort of crossover. Um, yeah. And then it was a week or two after it was published, I moved house and then started a new job. So, wow. <laughs> and since then I would not have had the time to do it. So it timed out really nicely. Basically Oscar and Alice is the story, twin siblings for Alice, right? It, it, it's sort of about death and family and coping I guess um and unity to some degree yeah I had a lot of fun coming up with the characters when I was writing it um had this sort of would happen in my head but constructing characters that would make sense for doing what they were doing and how they sort of fit together like that okay that that wasn't given to me in the dream that was (laughs) I came up with that myself (laughs) Um, so yeah, at, at the start of the book, um, Alice 
is sort of surrounded by like bad things are happening. Um, her brother dies quite horrifically and unexpectedly, but it's not that sad about it because he was terrible. Um, and then her her mother leaves. Um, and so it's just her and her dad and her dad's like the plumber and the, the drain out the front of their house um, has like blocked and like sewage is backing up out of it, but he can't fix it um, because like the council won't let him kind of thing. And so, yeah. you know, his, his son has died, his wife has left, his teenage daughter's super mopey and he has this huge sort of sewage out the front of his house that he can't do anything about. And so his arc is sort of, like you know he's not a sort of demonstrative person to begin with it's to sort of deal with that and and he like I, I was actually quite proud of how his art came together in the end and then there's there's two neighbors there's an elderly neighbor which she and she grows um dope out in the woods and and she can like see people's auras and she sort of keeps yeah. an eye on what's happening next door um and at some point she decides that Alice is a bit of a help and she goes over and but she doesn't really know how to talk to people. She talks it all in like warm text. And um, <laughs> I'm writing that as well. And then the other neighbor is this, um, uh, I didn't want her to be too much of a stereotype, but she's essentially a man eater. So she sets her right. on the dad character and yeah. um, decides that she wants to have him as partner sort of thing. And Alice isn't too happy about that. And so I have to work that out and, yeah, it's just sort of, and it's sort of told for, from different perspectives throughout and um, over to perspective one point. Oh, it's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of meandering and um, I, I did my honours thesis on magical realism and I think if you know that, it makes a bit more sense because it is, it's a little bit sort of dreamy and sort of random magical things happen, but it sort of makes sense in the story, so it's very realistic. Oh, I think it's great and, and what a fantastic thing that it now exists out in the world. Like, that's... That's brilliant. Yeah, it was a good project. And welcome back to our Blarney Books and Art book reviewer, Grace. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Excellent. Happy Halloween month. <laughs> oh, yeah, very exciting. Uh, yeah. Are you trick-or-treating? Oh, I might. I did last year. I dressed as a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> So I might have to. Now, this week, you have Raised by Wolves by Jess Ho and A History of Dreams by Jane Rawson. So two very different books. So which one would you like to start off with, Grace? Well, I'll start with the spooky one, I suppose, with A History of Dreams. Yeah. Um, So this is set in late 1930s Adelaide and follows the story of sisters Margaret and Esther Beasley and their friend Phyllis, aka Phil, who have been taught the art of changing dreams by their communist schoolmate Audrey. Coven of Four, known as the Semaphore Suffer Club, are using their powers to start a revolution against the Nazi sympathisers within the South Australian government. Wow. Yeah, straight up into it. Uh, It was a really interesting read um so it's part historical fiction and part magical realism which was interesting in itself especially being in Adelaide as I grew up there so I actually knew quite a lot of the places where they went yeah but yeah not only did it follow the friendships these women's had within their coven but it also how women in this era desperately relied on each other during a time where a system only wanted them to marry have children and stay at home Predominantly, the book focuses on what it was like in this particular time. However, I found a lot of the themes were still rather relevant even in 2022. Most notably, this quote, 
which was, I don't see why we need to get a woman involved. Plenty of excellent fellows here, perfectly capable of understanding what women want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like um, the Australian Parliament last year, really. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. It's nice to know that not much has changed. <laughs> yeah. And, and so who would this appeal to, do you think? Is it adult fiction? Yeah, more adult. I mean, it's got a few adult themes in it. Maybe new adult as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyone who's a fan of historical fiction will really like it, especially if you have visited Adelaide at any time in your life. It's quite interesting to imagine what it was like back then. But yeah, it's very, I mean, I feel like I say this every month where it's like, I haven't read anything like it before, yeah. but I really haven't. It was one of a kind and I really like Jane's writing style as well. So I'd like to read more of her books in the future. Fantastic. So that's A History of Dreams by Jane Rawson and your second book, Raised by Wolves by Jess Ho. Yes. And I feel like this is quite special because I got to meet them at the uh, Port Ferry Literary Weekend. Yeah. yeah, so it was really sweet being able to hear what they talked about with their book and then actually reading it. First of all, I'd like to give Jess a consensual hug for writing this memoir. Uh, it was really, really beautiful. So it's mostly about the hospitality scene in Melbourne specifically. Uh, and I haven't spent much time in hospitality or rather I've spent enough time to know that I'm not cut out for it. Whereas yeah. Jess leapt into the deep end and survived and came out the other side and wrote this book. It's raw, personal and unyielding. And I can't even begin to understand everything Jess went through. Um, I haven't had to work to survive, so I really don't have any idea. Um, yet at the very least, I do know how challenging the hospitality industry is. And it's not all happy customers and good tips. So it's a heartbreakingly beautiful memoir. And it's uncensored as Jess literally tells it how it is. Wow. Yeah. And so is are they looking to write um, another book? Is that? I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I really liked their storytelling voice. Yeah. Like it doesn't, like you can read memoirs and it's very much sort of just this is what happened, this yeah. is my life type thing. Yeah. Whereas Jess wrote where it actually almost felt like fiction in the way that they have their storytelling voice. So it was really interesting. I would love them to write a nonfiction work. Uh, yeah. I mean, a fiction work. But yeah, it, like this quote got me, which was, um, I had no sentimental feelings towards a bar and an industry that had abused, stalked, harassed, sexually assaulted, intimidated, belittled, gaslit, bullied, discarded, and overworked me. Wow. which you don't think about that when you just visit a restaurant so much. So it was, yeah, yeah it was, it was really interesting. Anyone who likes restaurants has worked in hospitality, likes food should read this book. Excellent. So that's uh, raised by wolves by Jess Ho. And yep. you also had a history of dreams by Jane Rawson. So we will get them up on the Insta as well. Your reviews. Yes. Thank Definitely five-star reads. Thank you very much, Grace, and happy Halloween. Yes, thank you. Until next month, almost yes, Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, take care. Thank you. So um, to answer your original question about the self-publishing aspect, um, 
I I talked to uh, my friend, both my friends who had self-published, whose books I had physical copies of, so I could sort of I had it in front of me and could get a good idea of what I wanted in a physical book. And I published it as an ebook and a physical book, but I needed to have the physical copy in my hand. Like that was what. Yeah. That was right. what yes. Was. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. So um, I ended up doing it through Ingram Spark. Yes. Um, I did a bit of research and they seem to be the, the best sort of to go with because I have a membership to Small Press Network. Uh, yep. They, as part of the membership, um, discounts through England Spark. Okay. Um, so I used that to help fund it. That's um, great. And it's in your local bookshop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I bought a copy. <laughs> you did, yes. Yeah. About four people told me about that after you bought it. <laughs> Like, Rob bought a copy of your book. Like, hey. <laughs> Sold a copy of your book. Um, <laughs> no, which is awesome. Though. I mean, it's it's yeah. yeah, it's so great, and I'm so you know I'm I'm so pleased you did it um, because yeah. otherwise that story wouldn't be It'd still be sitting on my laptop somewhere. Yeah, that's the thing. There's so dust. many stories out there that traditional publishers aren't going to publish them. Yeah. We, still, we still need them, right? As readers, yeah. Right? Especially ones that are sort of a bit odd and a bit yeah stuff. Like I, I think there's more um, provision for that kind of thing now. Like, like yeah. I think there are um, particular awards or particular um, um, submissions open for some publishers where they're like, send us your weirdest work or whatever. But it was because we had been contacted by quite a few self-running um, underground writers that I could sort of see the scope of it. So one of the first books that I oh, I, I interviewed the author, um, who's a very good friend of mine now, and she had sort of a collection of like nonfiction essays. It's called Watching Cartoons with Boys by Emma Michelle. And hers hers was the one that sort of properly inspired me to do that. And, um, right. and she, she's, she works in administration. She's very, like, very organised, knows exactly what to do, did oodles of research. And so yeah. she had in quite a few bookstores even dimmicks and stuff she has them there on commission because she yeah did all that incredible research right at the start yeah quite a few different authors got in touch with us underground writers so I got to see like a lot of poetry collections as well because they're not oh, great yeah yeah there's not yeah. not a huge amount of opportunity I mean there's lots of opportunities for it but there's also a lot of poetry out there that people have published in especially in collections most to literary magazines and so yeah yeah, it was a really good exercise, and I'm really glad I did it. And I think that I will do it again. Um, I haven't, I haven't got a you know, novella that came to me in a dream sitting on my laptop anymore. I'm sure I've got. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Go, go to bed an hour early each night. Just, just wait for that inspiration. Uh, lucid dreaming. It's the yeah, that's it. That's it. A writer's block. <laughs> yeah, do, do some automatic writing while you're sleeping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So um, we have a writing question that we ask um, all our guests and it's just around any advice or top tips for writers out there. You're doing some fantastic work in that space from, from your reviewing to the newsletter to your novella. So yeah. what, what, would you, what would you say? Um, I'd say a few different things. <laughs> I would start with read lots. That's... Yeah. Like that was my sort of theory when I was a student and I still stand by it to some degree is that words in is words out. <laughs> um, yep. Especially if, you know, say you really love fantasy, read a lot of fantasy, you really love poetry, read a lot of poetry, etc. Something that I've found, which to sound a bit like a hippie along with that 
novella dream thing is it's really good to write while your inhibitions are down I've found that some of my best writing has happened when I'm so tired that I can think straight which might sound counterproductive but it actually works really well like yeah right yeah for a couple of months a few years ago I would take my laptop with me when I went to bed and I would just sort of work on whatever I was working on at the time and then I'd read it the next day and I'd think I barely remember this, but this is really good. (laughs) And I think it was just because, you know, I experimented a bit bit with it. And basically it was just that I felt like I had to do it before I went to sleep. And so all all of my, you know, oh, this isn't quite good enough. Oh, this sounds a bit stupid or whatever wasn't there. That's amazing. Do you think there's also that that connection with your subconscious is sort of. Yeah, I think that's definitely in there as well. And um I tried it once when I was a bit tipsy and it worked quite well as well, but <laughs> get drunk if you want to write. But there was, I think, I don't know if it was like Hemingway. Hemingway, yeah. yeah. Was yeah it right, right? right drunk, edit sober. Yeah, um, yeah. Loath as I am to take any of Hemingway's advice. Yeah, it, yeah. Really yeah. well for me. So um, there's that. And then the other one is some days you'll sit down to write and it'll be part of your routine and there's just nothing there and it, you just can't do it. And it's yep. sucks, but that's just a part of it. Like, you know, brains are so complicated and there's so much going on in your brain every day. And even if you're home all day, every day, say in isolation or something and only yep. interact with the same person every day, your brain still is different every single day. It, it remakes itself or fills with different chemicals or whatever. So you can sit down to write one day and write, 4,000 words and then the next day you can barely string together and that's just the way it is and it sucks and yeah. you just have to not get discouraged by that and not feel like you know oh no it's gone the magic has gone you just have to say oh okay I'll just look at memes for an hour and then go to bed and then give it another go the next day <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant absolutely we do have a shout out question but first um how can listeners connect with you Jemima on socials uh subscribe to your newsletter we'll have as i mentioned before we'll have that in the show notes yeah sure so i have a website um which is where my little stuff goes so if you want to go straight to the source um it's oddfeather.co oddfeather is o-double-d-f-e-a-t-h-e-r which seemed like a good idea at the time when i set it up i probably most where i post the most especially if you like memes um is on my instagram which is gem brew and then yeah my newsletter is called the brew and it's on substack just google it with my name there and yeah the brew comes out every second thursday unless i go to australia in which case it comes out on saturday that's the only ah. <laughs> the food you had in western australia was amazing listeners oh to check that one out oh, yeah you want to try a black sesame and the, the everything black like oh, it's just this asian fusion <laughs> thing man like it's probably <laughs> in melbourne as well but i haven't eaten out in melbourne in like three years so <laughs> i got the best of the matcha and the red bean and the charcoal yeah yeah, I love yeah, it. yeah, that brunch. The, yeah, I love that your family were having brunch. As, Irresponsible as amounts of brunch. brunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, we also um, uh, give our guests the opportunity to shout out any LGBTIQA plus artist books, shows, events, organisations. 
I made a short list and I'm really worried that I've missed something important. So I'll just, you know, apologize if I miss some shows. I've been watching Heart Stopper on repeat and also uh, Sex Education on Netflix. Yeah. As well. And just general, like, you know, teenage shit out and being messy, but I was caring about it. It's very early. And, and Gillian Anderson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's amazing. <laughs> Um, so I have a, a short list of us here. Yourself in the Nancy's, which is so cozy and lovely. Oh my god! Thank you. So Alison Evans' work. Um, they've written a few different YA books. Um, they're based in Melbourne. Their book Euphoria Kids was really that was one of the first sort of specifically queer YA books that I read a couple of years ago, and it was really it's really sort of dreamy and lovely. And it's um, Alison wrote it as a counter to yeah. experience of gender dysphoria she, um, they wrote it as a gender euphoria i don't think it's about a group working that said themselves out it's really lovely and heartwarming <laughs> sophie gonzalez um has a couple of really good books um particularly about the bisexual experience also ya um holden shepherd's the brink just came out his second book like i was up till like midnight on, on a school night reading it because i just yeah, got right couldn't start reading um in his first book invisible boys it's about yeah gay boys in um rural australia which is a really real tough subject to be writing about but it's incredible because that is experience and uh just two others so tansy rayner roberts i mentioned earlier she's a um, tasmanian writer she self-publishes a lot of her work and she was another inspiration for me for self-publishing yeah um, she writes some really lovely queer cozy sort of magical uni student type books that I have reread a couple of times brilliant and lastly another organization that got in contact with us when we we're doing underground uh, youth and I which is um, an anthology by intersex youth so they're first anthology came out a couple of years ago and I think the second one either has come out or will be coming out soon and it's um it's sort of about increasing you know voices into sex people in writing and editing and, and all of the cover designers the artists like everyone fantastic so was that youth and I yeah so y-o-u-t-h and yep. y. <laughs> great yeah excellent thank you and our closing question, which Jemima, we ask everyone, mm-hmm. is what is your hope for the LGBTIQA plus community? A hard one. <laughs> there are a lot of things to be hopeful for. I think one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot recently and hoping for is that young children and teenagers can be you know, in, in sort of legal frameworks and social frameworks and, every you know, all the spaces they have to operate in can be given the space to be themselves, really. Not from a, you know, if they if they have to be gay, they have to be gay kind of thing because that's from a heteronormative point of view. Yeah. A, you know, you're a blank slate and you're working out where you are and that's a lifelong process. You don't have to choose a label. You can if you want. And for that to be sort of, I don't know, enshrined in, in a sort of sacred space, like, you know, don't mess with the kids kind of thing. Yeah. And it's it's difficult to imagine because, you know, our world is built on very linear things, you know, we have laws and everyone has to abide by them. We have rules and everyone has to abide by them or whatever. And, yeah, thing, things like sexualities and communities and all those really important things that we need to be happy and live and so on are very difficult to define in those terms. And I think a lot of people, 
particularly in the last few years of navel gazing during ISO and so on, are realising that there is more to life than going to work and struggling and so on, and that your spiritual health and your mental health are as important as your physical health and you can't just, you know, give people food. They'll be fine. Let them be all of the, their selves. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bit of a con- long, convoluted answer. No, not at all. No, putting that down. I've been thinking. Of, I've been thinking about it all week, and I haven't found a way of condensing that. <laughs> no, that's that's beautiful, and absolutely, wouldn't that be fantastic to see that in our lifetime? Yeah, I think well, it's getting there to some degree, but yeah, still- yeah, and look, Generation Z is really pushing things along, mm. particularly in the gender space. Um, yeah which is it's it's fantastic like yeah it's just that step change it feels like um uh, you know even looking back a couple of years to where we are now is incredible but it's still not enough and those in power need to stop punching down on yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think i think the scope for it for changing it is is growing like even yeah. This is partly why I've enjoyed watching things like Heartstopper and um, Sex Education because those shows didn't exist when yeah. even when I was in high school, which was early 2000s. And, you know, the kind of behaviour that was acceptable then is not, ex- I mean, it was never acceptable, but, you know, people just thought it was normal to do those kinds of things or say those yeah. kinds of things. And now you can stand up for yourself and you can point to other people and say, no, it's not okay to do those things, it's not okay to say yeah. that things then yeah it's you know representation is so important you can actually see people living their lives as authentically or how they need to live it absolutely yeah fantastic thank you so much for joining us jemima on qws podcast you're welcome back anytime (laughs) thanks rob Please check out our show notes on Words and Nerds, Blarney Books and Art and rwrmcdonald.com for links, reviews and the interview transcript. Until next time, this is QWS Podcast.